Hey, it's Martine. Before we start the show, I wanted to warn you that today's episode contains a story about police violence that may be disturbing to some listeners, especially animal lovers. So please take care, and thanks. On an ordinary evening back in 2014, Tony Murray was getting ready for bed. Murray worked at a potato chip factory in Detroit, and he had a 6 a.m. shift the next day. He was turning off all the lights in his house, and he had two dogs at the time, and getting the dogs ready to go to bed as well. Keith Alexander covers crime in courts for The Post. And then he looked out of his window, and he saw these police officers. And the next thing I knew, I heard something go boom, boom. Boom. I'm thinking somebody knocking on my door. So when I opened up the door, all I saw was guns in my face. And they pushed their way in. They had the weapons drawn. They pushed Murray to the floor. Murray immediately ordered his dogs to run downstairs into the basement. He pleaded with the police officers, do not shoot my dogs. My dogs are fine. They will not bother you. One was a a black Labrador. And at some point, two officers went downstairs into the basement, and Murray recalled hearing gunshots. And he knew immediately what was happening because he heard the dog scream out. They shot once, and they shot again, and they say he was still moving, so they shot him again. And after that, the dogs were quiet. No more barking. Officers spend the next hour searching through Murray's house, turning over his furniture, and rifling through his drawers. They eventually leave. Murray gets up off the floor. He then looks out his window and he sees the police officers who are still out there. He goes out to the police officers to find out what was going on and to get some clarity about what just happened. And one of the officers gave him a search warrant. Mr. Murray reads the search warrant, and he sees that the officers were looking for drugs. And that baffled Mr. Murray. But then Mr. Murray saw something else. When I read the warrant, they had the address next door to me. Meaning that the police went to the wrong house. Murray sued Detroit police for gross negligence and for violating his civil rights. As the case was about to go to trial, the city settled with him for more than $87,000. But the police did not admit any errors. Even though, between 2010 and 2020, Detroit had settled 10 claims for a total of $665,000 about the officer who'd gotten the address wrong on the warrant— an officer named Lynn Christopher Moore. So Officer Moore had cost the city of Detroit thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. As it turns out, there are officers like this all over the country. Officers who've been accused repeatedly of violating people's rights or using reckless policing practices. Keith and a team of reporters at The Post have spent more than a year looking into these cases and the ways that they can erode trust and cost taxpayers millions. I feel he shouldn't be a police officer. I feel he needs to be locked up himself. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, March 9th. 
Today, an investigation into the police officers repeatedly accused of misconduct and the cities that pay for those cases to go away. We've heard about lawsuits involving fatal shootings, whether it's Chauvin and and the George Floyd case or Breonna Taylor, where the city will settle and pay millions of dollars. Those stories and those cases, they make the headlines. They make the news. But these cases where officers are the subject of numerous lawsuits, 10, 12, 13, for much smaller offenses, but they're happening repeatedly. So what we want to do was find out how many officers around the country and and various police forces have been like the subject of multiple payments. We dove into 40,000 payments in 25 cities around the country, and we found more than 7,600 officers who were the subject of multiple payments, totaling more than a billion dollars. That's a billion with a B dollars by taxpayers across the country. These are officers who aren't being accused of misconduct just once or twice in their careers. These are police officers who are being accused 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 times for pretty much the same type of infractions over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, excessive force, wrongful arrest, illegal search and seizure, like involving Mr. Murray's home. Officers who are the subject of these repeated allegations and these repeated lawsuits and cities that are basically paying us money to make these cases go away because the majority mm. of these cases result in settlements. They don't even go to trial. They result in settlements like Mr. Murray's case in Detroit. Can you talk to me about how you figured all of this out, how you were able to get these numbers about the number of officers who've had multiple lawsuits against them? One of the most challenging parts about this investigative project was getting the data. And myself and Stephen Rich, who's the database editor at the Washington Post, we had to literally go through mounds and mounds of documents, over 40,000 records. Hmm. And it took about a year to, to pull this whole investigative project together. What we had to do was we had to go to a city and find out if that city kept track of the payments. Then we had to go through those records and pull out the ones that were basically civil rights violations as opposed to a police officer who was in a car and and, and struck another car or things of that nature. What we also found was that very few cities recorded the information based on the name of the police officer. So while we had the data on settlements or payouts involving police officers, we didn't have the names of the police officers involved. Hmm. So what did that mean? That meant that we had to go into federal records, into into lawsuits, and, and go into the cases themselves and pull out the names of the officers and find the names of the officers over and over and over again and see, okay, this officer, Joe Smith, has, you know, in, in certain cities, has been sued repeatedly, and these lawsuits are here in federal courthouse with his name embedded in the lawsuit. Did it surprise you that this wasn't something that cities track 
per officer, that there's not some, like, database that they have that's like, this is the guy or the woman who's getting 10 lawsuits against them or is constantly getting complaints. That was the biggest surprise. You know, we really thought that it would take us a few months with this investigative piece to, to pull together. We really thought that, of course, this would be something that cities or police departments would keep track of, that this was something that they would want to maintain. And that's why it took over almost a year hmm. to pull this information because not only is it that, that police departments do not keep track of this information, but even city departments that actually write the checks for the settlements, they don't even keep track or they don't keep track by the name of the officer. So basically, it sounds like what you were doing was finding the most expensive cops, right? Like the cops who are costing cities the most? The initial idea was looking for the most expensive, expensive cops, right? But what we discovered is that it's not so much being the most expensive cop. It's finding the cop who is repeatedly accused of doing the same thing over and over again. And while they may not be the most expensive in a city because another officer may have been a subject of a multi-million dollar lawsuit because of a fatal shooting or something of that nature, these officers are repeatedly the subject of allegations that are costly to taxpayers. And some of them stay on the force. I mean, they, they, they stay on the same assignment with the police department. They stay doing the same job year after year after year while the city is paying thousands and thousands of dollars involving allegations against them. And what is so amazing that we found is that these officers are racking up dozens of lawsuits and claims. So tell me about some of the themes that emerged from looking at this data. Like, who's making these claims and what cops are the subject of the most number of payments? So one of the things that jumped out immediately in our reviews was we tried to find out who some of these people actually were. And what we quickly were able to discern was that many of these individuals were either African-Americans or Latinos. In fact, the majority in some of these cities were African-American or Latinos. And I talked to several attorneys in Chicago and in Portland, Oregon, and in Detroit, who all said the same thing. To, they basically confirmed what we were seeing was that it's often people of color who are the ones who are dealing with these officers and who these officers are often most aggressive with. Now, what was also interesting is that the diversity among the officers. We have white officers, we have black officers, we have Latino officers, we have male officers, we have female officers. So the officers are very diverse, but many of the individuals who are following these claims are people of color. And when I talked to some of the attorneys about that, they were saying, well, oftentimes these officers think that these people will not file lawsuits, mm. right? That people of color will not risk going to court. And, and fighting the city or the police department. And what about different police departments? Like, was there a particular department or city where you saw this coming up most often or where the payments were most expensive or, or noteworthy? So what we found in Chicago and Baltimore was unlike many of the other cities that we covered. 
what we found was that in these two cities, there was a group of officers who were the subject of indictments. They were charged criminally with conduct while they were police officers. These same officers also made up the bulk or the majority of the lawsuits filed against officers in Baltimore and Chicago. So that's also what jumped out. And also in Philadelphia, for example, another city that we looked at. Back in 2014, a group of officers were indicted for various crimes while they were officers. And they went to trial and a jury found them not guilty. They were acquitted. But here's the thing. The city is still paying for lawsuits and claims filed against these officers today. They have another 50 cases. That's five zero cases that they are now still dealing with, resulting from the actions or the alleged actions of these same officers who were charged back in 2014. Can you tell me some of the other stories you heard of people who had come into contact with officers with repeat lawsuits against them? In Chicago, I I met a a young gentleman. His name was Gregory Williams. He uh, was going to a a gas station to buy a pack of cigarettes back in 2014. It was late afternoon, and a gentleman ran up to him and threw him up against the fence, and he thought he was being robbed. But it turns out the gentleman was an undercover police officer. They were asking me about uh, narcotic sales in the area, and I'm telling them, like, I can't tell you nothing about that. I don't know nothing about that. How can I tell you something I don't know? He looks up, and then other officers descend on him from an unmarked police car. He is taken to a, a police precinct where he's interrogated. They accuse him of selling heroin to an undercover police officer. Mr. Williams, obviously, you know, he, he denied that repeatedly. Mr. Williams' allegation was that the officers were trying to use him as an informant. He went to jail and awaited trial, and he was later acquitted. So Williams then sued the officers involved in the case for wrongful arrest, and the city of Chicago settled with him. What was also interesting was that the lead officer in that case, Armando Ugarte, has been the subject of numerous allegations of excessive force. As a matter of fact, several attorneys who specialize in excessive force cases and wrongful arrest cases were very familiar with Officer Armando Ugarte because they've had numerous cases in which he was involved in. The city of Chicago ultimately settled with Mr. Williams for about $85,000. But again, as with most cities that settle these type of cases— the city of Chicago admitted no wrongdoing. I found out literally just late last year while reporting this story that Ugarte, who again was a subject of numerous payments, actually 16 payments between 2010 and 2020, that he was relieved of his policing powers and reassigned. That's what one of the police department spokespersons told me. When you talked with Gregory Williams, did he know that this officer that he believes caused him so much pain had had so many lawsuits against him? Gregory Williams told me that he did not know that this was an officer who had who's been a subject of numerous lawsuits. Why are you allowing your officers to carry on like tyrants out here? The gangbangers with a badge and a legitimate gun. 
and you guys are backing it. One of the things that jumped out during my interview with him was so fascinating. He was like, how is it that somebody who is paid to carry a gun by the city of Chicago can be the subject of so many lawsuits alleging excessive force, alleging that this officer abused his badge? How is it that he can remain in his job? He was very angry, very angry to learn that he was not the only one who had claimed to have had this type of encounter with Officer Ugarte. After the break, what cities around the country are and are not doing to address this problem. We'll be right back. So, Keith, I would love to hear more about what cities had to say, both about the fact that so many of their police officers have so many allegations against them, but also how they justify the cost of settling so many cases. You know, one of the things that jumped out at us during this investigative project was the word allegations. These are settlements. Hmm. These officers have not been found of guilty of wrongdoing. And so police officials will say, why maintain a database based on allegations, a a database that could be negatively seen or affect an officer in his or her career. I talked to several police officers who were actually the subject of multiple lawsuits, and it was interesting hearing from them. Like, for example, in Detroit, one of the officers told me that he wished the city wasn't so quick to settle these lawsuits or these claims. This officer told me that he wished that the city actually decided to go to court and would fight these claims um, because he believed that these allegations were meritless and that these individuals who were following these lawsuits and following these claims were just looking for a payday. In fact, this officer told me that many individuals in Detroit call it the Detroit Lottery whereby they will file a lawsuit against the police following an encounter. So for most of these cases, the cities aren't, or the police departments aren't saying like, look, we recognize that something bad happened here or that there's a problem with this officer. They're basically saying, we just settled and paid this money because we want to be done with this, but we don't see this as necessarily evidence that any bad policing actually happened here. That is correct. These cities and these departments are basically saying, We are not admitting wrongdoing. There is no admission of fault here. These are merely allegations. And we are settling because it would be more cost-effective to keep this out of the courts in terms of resources, you know, having attorney fees, numerous depositions, investigations. Let's, Let's just make this case go away. When I reached out to the Chicago Police Department to get a comment from um, Officer Ugarte or the department about the cases, the department declined to comment on uh, Ugarte's cases. And I also reached out several times to Officer Ugarte, and he did not return any of my phone calls. In Detroit, when I reached out to the the, uh, police department there, um, actually they declined to comment on these cases against Officer Moore. And When I reached out to Officer Moore, who is now with the nearby Oakland Sheriff Department, Officer Moore did not return my calls, and the Oakland Sheriff Department did not want to comment on Officer Moore or his cases in Detroit. But then do these officers face any 
repercussions if they have similar accusations coming up against them again and again? Or is there even a conversation of like, look, we know that you weren't found wrong in a criminal court, but like, let's talk about the fact that a lot of people are suing us because they feel like you're doing something wrong and it keeps happening and like, maybe we shouldn't have that be the case in the future? Some cities, very few cities actually, have become very aggressive in monitoring when one of their officers is a subject of these lawsuits. Again, most cities do not track these cases by names of the officers involved. What we found was that there was a disconnect between the police department, where the officer is employed, and the city law department that often decides whether to write the check and make the case pretty much go away. Now, Detroit is one of the few cities that is aggressively aggressively doing this. Hmm. Again, as I was reporting this story, maybe it was just a coincidence, they, they told me that they started in September of last year doing just that. What is your sense of what their rationale is for starting to do more tracking and why this got on their radar? When I talked to the Detroit officials, they said the reason why they started doing the tracking was really what we found. They wanted to be aware of if an officer was the subject of the same allegations over and over again, allegations that are costing taxpayers thousands and thousands of dollars. So Detroit was saying as of September of last year, they now have a system in place with the law department there in Detroit whereby the names of every officer who is the subject of a settlement repeatedly, not just once, but twice or three times, the law department is now to notify the police department there in Detroit. And what was interesting is that since September, they had 13 officers who have been the subject of repeated lawsuits. Mm. And as a result, Detroit police is now doing retraining Reevaluating the beats, deciding, you oh, know wow. what, maybe this is probably not the best position for this officer, or maybe this officer needs to be teamed with a more senior officer. They're reevaluating the training of the officer mm-hmm. because what they don't want to happen is, again, dozens of lawsuits or the fact that maybe one of these officers could be involved in a fatality. So thinking about all of your reporting on this, the data that you've looked at and the people that you've talked to, what do you think is the takeaway about the problem of police misconduct and accountability? The takeaway from this investigation was that there was very little accountability when it comes to what happens when officers are repeatedly accused of misconduct and cities make payments in those cases. There is nothing in place in many of these departments where they are aggressively looking at these lawsuits, looking at the the narratives within these lawsuits involving these officers over and over and over and over again. And as a result, taxpayers are paying for these repeated allegations And ordinary people say they continue to be harmed by these officers. And these officers continue to say that they are being falsely accused. Keith Alexander covers crime in courts for The Post. 
This story was produced by Emma Telkoff and edited by Robin Amer. It was mixed by Sam Baer. The Post created this very cool interactive graphic that allows you to explore the nearly 40,000 payments that Keith and others tracked at 25 police departments around the country. If you want to see it, you can find a link into these show notes or at postreports.com. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.